0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Dungeons and Dragons and Faith. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or a crochet hook. Grab your favorite gems of fate and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran
1: Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, I'm going to be completely honest. All I know about Dungeons and Dragons comes from the Saturday morning cartoon that I used to watch in the 80s. This, however, is something that is near and dear to your heart. So start with a little bit of personal history, how long you've been playing, and for me, and hopefully some others, what is Dungeons and Dragons?
0: (laughs) Welcome to my nerd life. Yay. Like half of the clothing I wear is Dungeons and Dragons themed. Really? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Totally. 100%. This is my nerd life. I haven't been able to play roller derby since my concussion. Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons has taken over that portion of my life and it is joyful and delightful.
1: Fabulous.
0: So... How many years have I been playing? I have been actively playing Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition, for people who know what that means. Okay,
1: because I don't.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. For the last, I believe, since I finished my doctoral degree. Okay. So my husband got back into it. He's been playing for a long time, and he started playing when my stepdaughter left our home, so about five years ago. Okay. Okay. And he started playing, but I said I couldn't play until after I finished my doctoral degree because time Mm -hmm. and energy capacity kind of stuff. So when I graduated, part of the celebration was that I got to join a campaign with him and we started playing regularly and we have been playing regularly ever since. So the last three and a half or so years, as a kid, back in the eighties, my big sister and brother played, but they're four and five years older than me. So they didn't want their obnoxious little sister playing
1: alongside of them. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about for that. I have older siblings.
0: All right. So I got to watch it, but I didn't get to play it as a kid. That was my relationship to the Atari that we had as a kid. Absolutely, right? So this was my first kind of foray into getting to play D&D, and it's been a gift. It is so much fun. And when I say fifth edition, that's a new rule set. Okay. So there have been five editions of the rule sets since the original rule set that came out 40 years ago. And the current rule set is really created in a way that... It can be used in lots of different ways, but it very much gives space for storytelling to be the center of the experience. So it's less about smash and bash and win the things and more about a group of people sitting around a table and telling stories together. Okay. And how you tell a story together and... It can be hugely varied. Some tables are totally going to be monster of the week kind of tables. Some tables are going to be people who really want to delve into character development and backstory and digging into the emotional experience of these imaginary fictional characters. Some people are just going to want to become all-powerful and gather all the magical weapons and kill the dragon, right? Like, it really can be anything that the community around the table agrees that it can be and that interaction of individuals working together to tell a story to create a narrative to share to create to be imaginative all of that is absolutely captivating
1: Oh man, it sounds hard, especially for somebody who is not all that into playing games in general.
0: (laughs) Well, it's not like you are playing a strategic game like Monopoly or even Settlers of Catan or those. It's still cooperative. Mm -hmm. So it's not about who wins. It's still a cooperative style game for people who are gamers. But at least the tables that I'm at and the tables that i've enjoyed are more about the story it's more about connecting with people putting the phones down and being in a space together and telling a story together and creating a shared memory together and that is so rare in our day and age now it's pretty precious which is of course i think why it is taken off so much mm-hmm. In the same way that roller derby becomes about community forming and how we do things together and finding a common goal, D&D is similar, that it's about finding community and looking for that common goal and creating something together.
1: So what does this have to do with faith? How do you fit that in? It's such a good question and a couple of different
0: ways. One of the pieces is that it does give the opportunity for people to explore questions of faith, because these worlds that are created in this imaginative way oftentimes have deities and have theology. And I think that sometimes it's a true gift to get to encounter theology and get to encounter concepts of God that are not connected to our deep-seated, maybe unexamined rules about what God is or how faith looks, and to be able to dig into what is it that we do find intriguing about faith, what is it that we find problematic, and to explore that in a way that isn't bumping us up against our own history or isn't bumping us up against things that are inside of us without recognizing that they're inside of us. You can really find ways to articulate what you do believe by knowing what you don't believe. And sometimes it takes these kinds of imagination exercises to recognize, oh, well, I really do believe in a kind and generous God. So the other way that this comes up with faith is that in the last year— One of our parishioners found out, one of our young parishioners found out about Dungeons and Dragons and got very excited about D&D and didn't have a place to play because pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so he asked to meet with me. We had a preliminary conversation with parental permission to have conversation about what it is and what it can be. I said, if you ever want to play a game, let me know.
1: I would be happy to run a one-shot for you and your friends. Do you get a lot of misconceptions around what Dungeons & Dragons is?
0: Oh, yeah. I figured. I think there's still some of that satanic panic from the 1980s that runs around.
1: So what surprised me
0: was when this young member came back and said, well, would you run a game for my family? Okay. And so... I started running a game for him and his brothers and his parents. And they sit around their table and they put the computer at the end of the table. And I sit at my desk in pandemic safety ways. And they play Dungeons and Dragons at their dining room table together with the pastor as what's called the DM, which is the dungeon master. And they've started calling me the dungeon pastor. (laughs) Nice. What it does is it gives an opportunity for us to talk about racism. We've talked about classism. We've talked about working together as a team. We've Mm -hmm. talked about greed. We've talked about what evil is and taking advantage of other people. We've talked about gender identity and gender nonconformity because one of the players is playing a non-binary player We've talked about how to set boundaries and to say yes or no to something or how to say this has gone too far and I want to stop and how to observe that with one another. We've talked about mutual support of one another and being a yes and table where we accept ideas and practice it, which with three young siblings. Uh-huh sitting down for two and a half hours and saying yes and to whatever your sibling comes up with. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, right? It's an incredible opportunity. We also, one of the characters is a cleric. So our non-binary cleric is a holy figure. And so we've gotten to talk about when the cleric wakes up in the morning, they take the time to pray and connect with God in order to think about what they need for the day and to prepare themselves with all the skills and spells that they need for the day. And so we've gotten to talk about prayer habits and the benefit of prayer and all of these things within this non-confrontational, it's not the pastor sitting here and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, kids, don't be racist, right? But Mm -hmm. We get to practice it. We get to try it on. We get
1: to imagine together. It's just awesome. It's so much fun. Okay, I'm going to ask you somewhat of a simplistic question. You're calling them games, and I'm curious, how do you know when one game ends and you decide to do a completely different one? Because I'm guessing with the roll of the dice and the choices that people make, every game is completely different.
0: Normally, you tell a continuous story. So you're telling a story that continues. And an example of this, there is a group of folks, voice actors, who have created a new media, significant media presence called Critical Role. Okay. They played the same campaign for five years.
1: That seems like an inordinately long time.
0: Only three years of it was broadcast. Okay. But they played the same characters every week for four hours a week for three years.
1: I'm guessing that's atypical. No. Nope. No.
0: Okay. No. Nope. There are lots of folks that have games that... And I'll say it's atypical in that usually your ability to schedule that many people together on a regular basis doesn't happen. Sure. Sure. But games can run for a very long time. Okay. Or campaigns can run for a very long time, years even. You can choose for them to be shorter. You can choose for them to be less intensive. You could decide as a group that you're doing a one-shot or a series of eight games. Or we're going to play for six months together and we'll have roughly 12 games together twice a month. Right. You can make choices on that. You can set boundaries. You can set boundaries. And boundaries, as always, are helpful. Uh-huh. It gives the opportunity to really look at some powerful stuff. How do you know when a game is over, when a session is over? Uh-huh. Well, if you're the player, you never want it to end. <laughs> so <Okay. laughs> never. If you are the game master or the dungeon master... When everyone is on the front of their seats and just staring at you in anticipation, that's when you end the game. (laughs) Really? Because
1: then they'll show
0: up for the next session.
1: Oh, okay. So I think my (laughs) understanding of what an actual game is, is different than what you're talking about. Because I still have an understanding of a game being, you sit down, you play Monopoly, you go around the whatever, and whoever has the most money wins, right? That's Mm -hmm. not how this seems to be working. This is my confusion.
0: Think of it more of a book. And each session is either part of a chapter or a chapter. Okay. And a whole campaign is the book, is the novel. And maybe you're writing a trilogy, And so you've got big sections that you're going to be looking at, or maybe you're writing a novelette or a short story. But if you think of it more in terms of a literary sense, because it's so story-based, if you think of it as a literary metaphor instead of a game, like a board game, Mm -hmm. then you're going to be closer to what it is and how it works.
1: Okay. So if somebody is as complete newbie about this whole thing as me, but is intrigued enough to want to learn more, where would you suggest that they go? So a couple of resources
0: to learn are going to be dndbeyond.com. And that is a website where you can have access to some basic rules and some basic character creation stuff all for free And it's going to walk you through how to create a character and walk you through how to do things. D&D is not something that you can play by yourself. You need to find a group. So you need to find someone to tell a story with you. Again, that's also part of what the powerful piece of this is, is that it's about community building. So finding a group, finding an opportunity can be challenging, but there are ways to do that. If you are interested in finding out, you can reach out to me and I'll help you find a way in just like I would do with roller derby. We can run a quick Google check and we can find a way for you to find a safe and good group that will fit what you are looking for. Okay. But d and Beyond is a great place to start. Another place to start learning, and this is going to sound really silly when I say it, and I'm going to do a caveat that this group uses sometimes curse words and swear language and those kinds of things. But you can look up Critical Role. If you look up critrole.com, you're going to find their website and look for the video series called Hand Booker Helper. Okay. Because it's called The Player's Handbook is the book that teaches you how the kind of the basic rules of the world and how the game is played. And they created a series of short videos teaching you what D&D 5th edition is, how to play it, how to create different kinds of characters, and how to have some fun. And that's a good place to start learning.
1: Is there an age that you would suggest is good for this? I mean, you've talked about this family and some fairly young kids, right? Is there a Mm -hmm. point where you're just too young?
0: I think the littles are 7, 10, and 12 now. Okay. And they're all playing. Um, I mean, it needs to be that your dice aren't choking
1: hazards. Okay. That's pretty (laughs) young.
0: You need to be able to understand what a story is. Okay. You need to be able to understand that you're playing pretend And you need to be able to play cooperatively with other people. And so whatever age you are, whoever you are, if those are concepts that are solid concepts for the person and you can create a story together that is age appropriate and respectful and all of those things, whether that person is four years old or whether that person is 94 years old, Mm -hmm. it can be done together. I would recommend making certain that everyone at the table has the same idea of what you're doing. Okay, And that's part of, again, what does this have to do with faith? Is that our faith teaches us how to interact with one another as community. Our faith teaches us our values and that community is something that matters to us. And how we interact with one another, what we choose to do, how we set boundaries. That's all part of our faith practice and part of what our church teaches us. D&D gives us this opportunity, this fascinating opportunity to really put it into practice in a game environment, in a fun environment, maybe with people who are of nothing to do with the church. It's not that we're bringing Christianity into D&D in order to bring people to the faith, but If I come in and I hold the space at a table and I say consent matters because I believe in the autonomy and the beauty of every created person who's been made in the image of God, then I am showing the values of my faith and I'm living them out in a way that shows the values of my faith in that given context. And If I'm in a situation where I'm telling a story and there are non-binary people and there are queer people and there are people of color and this vast multitude of the beauty of the diversity of God's creation, and we see it as beautiful and we don't see anyone as less than or we make them the bad guy because they're black or any of those tropes or any of those things, then our creative imagination about how God has created the diversity of the world gets to be played out at that table and in that story that we play together. And so it's all part and parcel of that opportunity to practice and to
1: shift how we think and to choose to create a world that is different. Okay. That's all going to lead me to my last question. Do you have a favorite character to play as, or alternately, do you prefer being the dungeon master?
0: It's such a great question. I'm still a relatively new dungeon master. I have two tables right now that I'm running. And so f- that's new in a lot of the world. My character that I played the longest was Hethera. She was a part angel character who was awesome. And I love her dearly. And w- she's super cool. But my default Character, what I'm DMing. It's called an NPC, a non-player character. It's like the character that shows up when someone asks for something that you aren't expecting. Okay. And you're like, oh no, they're asking a question, and I need to give them information. As the dungeon master, you are everyone that they are not. Okay. So in that moment, inevitably, what comes out, whether I'm ready for it or not, is um, an Irish-accented. <laughs> red-haired thief. (laughs)
1: Nice. (laughs) I don't know. Apparently I have a backup type. (laughs) That's fabulous. (laughs) Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Dungeons and Dragons and Faith. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you have any questions and want to talk
0: about this or wonder how you could get to play or more specific questions about what this has to do with an opportunity for our faith to shine, please feel free to reach out to me at pastor at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, may you roll as many natural 20s as you can. May the ones stay away and may you remember that God loves you no matter what.